You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou art. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, hand to hand and heart to heart, your holy scriptures have been handed down since the time of the apostles, carrying to us the stories of all that you have done for our salvation. Help us, O Lord, to come to a right understanding of all that is said in them, that we may live lives that are holy and truly life-giving, and we may give glory unto you. We ask this as we come to this time together through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So as our gospel reading begins, Jesus is... Approached, approached by this demoniac, this man who is possessed by demons. And um, whether you call it Gerasenes or Gerasenes, the demon says something surprising. What have you to do with us, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Unpacking that sentence and its deep roots in the book of Genesis would be a, something for four or five nights together in a full class. But what I want us to focus on today is that the demon is surprised that Jesus has come and is commanding him to go out of this man because the Gerasenes are Gentiles. They are not part of the covenant people of God. In other words, the demon thought he had legal prey. (laughs) And Jesus is now commanding him to be gone and depart. This is why the church fathers referred to the coming of the second person of the Holy Trinity in the person of Jesus as the great mystery of the Incarnation. It's not necessarily particularly mysterious to us because we know that He came to save us, but it was a mystery to the fallen angels who didn't understand that not only by taking on our flesh would God break the power of death over our lives, but that he would include all people in his covenant people, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of whether they belonged to the people of Israel. God was accomplishing far more in the incarnation than anyone expected he would be doing. Now, Those saving activities from Genesis up through Revelation, but really especially through the Incarnation, we collectively as Christians refer to in sort of shorthand as the Gospel. Okay? Now here's the problem. As the Gospel went out into the church, the church kind of, in a weird way, echoed the demon's cry because we learned that we were saved by grace through faith and not by works of the law. So... Christians began to ask a question, especially after a couple of incidents happened in the Scriptures. If you get from the Gospel of Luke into its sequel, the book of Acts, also written by Luke, 
You see episodes like this where Peter, the lead apostle, has a vision. And on this vision, a blanket is brought down from heaven and in it is filled with the animals that Jews are forbidden to eat. And God says, go to it. It's a buffet. And Peter is confused. And then, carries this, he goes and visits the family of a bunch of Gentiles, and the Holy Spirit falls on them in his presence, just as it fell on the apostles on the day of Pentecost. And then the apostles gather together, and this is in Acts chapter 15, and the Holy Spirit inspires them at what we refer to as the Council of Jerusalem, to say, yes, all the Gentiles can now enter into the covenant people of God, and that without being circumcised, which was the mark of the covenant for men. Because, as St. Paul will explain in Galatians, which we're going to switch to now in a moment, that baptism takes the place of circumcision in the covenant under Jesus. And ladies, baptism is for both sexes, not just for the men. Now, what this led to is Christians saying over and over again, what has the law to do with us? If we're saved by grace through faith, what, what's the point of the law for us? This is a big deal in the early church. In fact, most of First and Second Corinthians are St. Paul trying to correct the Corinthian church on their misunderstanding of this because they were just tossing the law out. Now, we're gonna, this, this brings us to our Galatians passage today. And scholars are pretty unified in saying that Galatians is kind of the primer for the book of Romans. The ideas that St. Paul explores at length in Romans, he kicks sort of into play in Galatians. We see, we see the first inklings of what he's thinking about, and he develops it fully in Romans. Now here's part of our passage we just heard today. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. Now, I find this to be a rather unfortunate translation of a couple words, and here's why. This language of being... Uh, being held captive and being in prison could lead us to the conclusion that what Christ came to set us free from was the law. And that's not true. Christ came to set us free from the demons like we saw happen in today's gospel. From the powers of sin, death, and the devil that would have us regard God's law as life-taking rather than life-giving. Now, We're going to look at these words here for just a second. I'm going to explain why I think this is a bad translation. I'm not going to get into all the Greek. That would be too much. But the word we translate as held captive, this word I think should be translated better as something like kept in custody. Now, if if you're a crime show junkie like our family is, kept in custody sounds a lot like sent to prison. (laughs) But you can also have custody of a foster child. You can have custody of someone you're caring for. And I think that's a better translation because as we're going to see, that's what St. Paul's aiming at here. Same thing with the word imprisoned. Imprisoned, the word we translate as imprisoned here, really actually just means kind of kept in a particular area, sort of penned up like a good shepherd might do with his sheep. A place where we're kept safe, like the fences we have around our playground outside to keep the children from running into traffic. 
The law is given by God to be our custodian and to sort of confine us in a particular area to keep us safe. And the way we know that this is what St. Paul meant is the word he goes on to use next. Guardian. The word we translate as guardian. This is an impossible word to translate into English because it means two things in English. The word here is pedagogos. This is the only Greek word I'm giving you this morning, so relax. Pedagogos. If you're a teacher, as I know some of you are, you know what this word means. Pedagogue. Teacher. But in the world where St. Paul was writing, a pedagogos was also a guardian. That's why it's impossible to translate into English. This is not just someone who taught your children. It's someone you sent your children to live with while they taught your children. You are utterly entrusting the pedagogos with the care and raising of your children. I haven't found a great word in modern English to translate this, at least one word. So I'm, I'm settling on tutor. You used to be able to send someone to live with a tutor. And they, they were responsible not just for teaching them math and English and whatever, but they were responsible for help raise them and teach them morals and manners and all kind of things. And this is what St. Paul is picturing for us as the role of the law for us before Christ came. Yes, now we are justified by faith. The law was never the way of salvation. The law is, though, the way of life. And that's why we need a tutor. And that's the role the law continues to play in our lives. Now, it's this focus on teaching that St. Paul will pick up on in the book of Romans when he says this, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Now, the bulk of chapter 5 of Romans is talking about how people have, were, have always been dying. And they've been dying because their sin was ripened into death. But we didn't know it was sin. It's like for generations we've been drinking poison and we had no idea that's what we were doing. This is good for us. You know they used, used to drink mercury as a medicine? It's like that's what we were doing. And the law reveals sin to us. Shows it to us so we know it for what it is. That's the role of the tutor. The role of our guardian. And I was trying to think of a perfect analogy. And it's, this isn't perfect, but it's as close as I've come. Um, as I walked into church this Sunday morning, someone says to me, How was your vacation? How were the driving lessons with your son? Because Ian just got his permit uh, the day before we left on vacation. So about five hours of our vacation was spent uh, with him and I out in a car and learning to do things in the car. In the car, I sat in the passenger seat with no steering wheel and no brake. <laughs> but I acted as his tutor. I acted as his guardian. And he can't ride without me right now. He's not allowed to get in that car and drive legally without me present. And I spent that time teaching him not the rules of the road, because he can get them from a book. He already did get them. He had passed the test. That's how he has a permit. I was teaching him the rules of the road. You know how, like, sometimes you can get killed by accelerating out into traffic, and sometimes you can get killed by not accelerating out into traffic? Learning how to live on the road where the law is already active. 
The rules of the road are there and people are behaving by them or not behaving by them at times, whether or not my son knows them. I'm there to teach him how to live in that environment. And that's the same role the law plays for us. Death reigned from Adam till now. That's what Romans 5 is all about. Death has been in charge. Now we know why. The law has taught us how and why, the, why that's been happening. But now Christ has come to set us free from the role of the tutor. And that's what, the, that's what happens with a good tutor. You eventually give up having the tutor at your shoulder. The moment will come in 45 short hours of driving time when I will give the keys to my son and he will leave with the family car and I will not be in the car with him. This is the freedom for which we've been set free. We've been given not only the keys to the kingdom, but in my metaphor today, the keys to the car. <laughs> the Lord has set us free to live life. And the law has taught us the way of life, even though the law can't save us. It is God in Christ who has given us the keys to the family car so we can go on that adventure. And the law is our guide as we go on that adventure. The giving of the keys to us is our inheritance in Christ. This is why, in our reading today, Galatians 3, 25-26 says, But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. The law is not in the passenger seat anymore. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Ladies, this includes you. You're a son of God because the Son of God, Jesus, receives everything from God by nature. All of us receive everything from God through grace in and through Jesus Christ. So we all share in Christ's sonship. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. And that's the promise given to Abraham in the book of Genesis, that through his seed all nations will be blessed. And St. Paul's going to spin this out in the verse that's missing from the center of this. This should say Galatians 3.28. I have a typo in here. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what ethnic group you came from. It doesn't matter what patch of land you were born on. It doesn't matter what social class you were part of. It doesn't matter what sex you are. By being united to Jesus Christ, you become a son of God and so have the keys to the kingdom, the keys to the car, for the adventure of life that is ahead of you. And just like we don't despise our teacher, I hope when I give you the keys, Ian, you're not going to like forget all the lessons instantly that I taught. <laughs> That's the way we look at the law of God. Thankful that God has loved us enough to teach us the way of life. Even more thankful that He has given us life and a place in His kingdom by grace, apart from our ability to perfectly drive that car and follow the rules. And that's also that as we face the open road of life with all of its twists and its turns, with all the other people driving, maybe not according to the rules, <laughs> we can face it knowing we have the grace of God on our side, 
knowing that He has loved us enough to teach us the rules so that we can navigate the road on the high adventure of life as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you that you have given us your law to be our guardian and our teacher. But we thank you even more that you have given us your grace through Jesus Christ that apart from our obedience we are part of your kingdom, part of your family. Strengthen us, Lord, and bless us that on the rough and winding way of life we may remember your law, your instructions. We may have the strength to be obedient. We may, by doing that, know life that is truly life and bless those around us by our lives and so glorify you who's taught us that we must be salt, that we must be light in a dark world, that we must be leaven and a whole loaf until all the world knows your glory and owns it. Bless us in these ways this day, O Lord, through our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. My vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that Thou art. Be Thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, Thy presence my light.